the monster Humbaba. Perfect was the friendship of Gilgamesh and Enkidu. The wild man asked only to be the servant of the king, but Gilgamesh called him my younger brother, and Ninsun, the queen, looked upon him almost as a son. Everywhere they went together and everywhere they were admired. They took part in feats of strength and daring, winning all prizes and all praise, and in this Enkidu was content. Not so Gilgamesh. On one occasion he said to his friend, Day and night I dream of a great enterprise. Whenever I close my eyes, voices come to me and say, Arouse yourself, Gilgamesh, there are great things to be done. Enkidu's mind was full of foreboding. You and I, Enkidu, said Gilgamesh, we will climb the mountain and destroy the monster Humbaba. Enkidu's eyes filled with tears and he turned away. Why should you cry, O Enkidu? Are you not the bravest of men? Are you no longer my friend and brother whom I admire more than anyone at all? Enkidu spoke. I know the presence of Humbaba even when I I knew excuse me. Enkidu spoke. I knew the presence of Humbaba even when I was a wild man on the steppes and in the forest. I could hear the sighing of his voice rise over the sound of thunder and high winds. I could hear the beating of his heart and feel the heat of his breath at a distance of five hundred shaw. I do not fear beast or mortal man, O Gilgamesh, but Humbaba is not mortal. He is the appointed servant of the gods, a guardian of the wild cows in the cedar forest. Whoever comes near him will grow weak. He will become paralyzed and will fail. The monster is an everlasting evil, said Gilgamesh. It oppresses the people. Day and night it spreads fires and spews its ashes over the town. It is hated by great Shamash, constantly obscuring his face. Oh, Enkidu, shall my life be as an empty wind? What am I if I turn from the things I want to do? I am nothing, only someone waiting for death. But if I do this thing, oh, Enkidu, even though I should fail... They will say, Gilgamesh died a hero's death. He died defending his people. I will have made an everlasting name for myself, and my life will not be as an empty wind. Still, Enkidu turned away. Gilgamesh then called all the armorers, the makers of the spears and shields and axes. They cast for him swords of bronze inlaid with silver and gold. They made powerful long bows and arrows tipped with stone, and most beautiful of all, a spear with a handle of lapis lazuli and gold and set with many glittering jewels. Gilgamesh called Enkidu and lay the weapons before him, hoping to tempt him with their beauty, and still Enkidu said no. Gilgamesh was downcast. My brother has grown soft and timid. He no longer loves daring. He has forgotten adventure. I will go alone. The elders of Uruk, who had long ago forgotten their hatred of the king, now came to him. Oh, Gilgamesh, do not undertake this thing. You are young. Your heart has carried you away. Settle down, O king. Take a bride to yourself. Let your life be tranquil. (laughs) Gilgamesh laughed. Save your wise counsel for my friend Enkidu. He'll listen. You waste your words on me, good fathers. The elders came in secret to Enkidu. If the king stubbornly insists on doing this thing, risking danger and defying the gods, then Enkidu, you must accompany him. Indeed, you must go ahead of him, a second elder said, for it is known that whoever first enters the cedar gate will be the first killed. Besides, it is you who know the way, Enkidu. It is you who have trodden the road. 
May Shamash stand beside you. May Shamash open the path for you. Enkidu went to Gilgamesh. My head is bowed, O king. I am your brother and your servant. I, Wherever you go, I will go. Tears came into the eyes then of Gilgamesh. His faith in Enkidu was restored. Now, my brother, we will go to Ninsun. We will tell our plan and ask her to petition the gods for our successes. Pale as she was, Ninsun turned more pale. But since she could not dissuade her son, she merely kissed him, giving him her blessing. To Enkidu, she said, Even though you are not my son, O Enkidu, you are like a son to me, and I shall petition the gods for you as for Gilgamesh. But remember, please, that as a man protects his own person, so must he guard the life of his companion. The people of Uruk walked with his two friends through the streets, admiring their weapons and praising their bold plan. Praise be to Gilgamesh, who dares everything. Praise be to Enkidu, who will safeguard his companion. But Harim, the priestess, mourned. May your feet carry you back safely to the city, Enkidu. And thus they set out. Ninsun dressed herself in her finest garments. She attached the golden pendants to her ears and set the divine tiara upon her head. She anointed herself with perfumes and carried in her hand an incense that would carry its pleasure odors into the sky. Mounting with stately grace to the roof of her, po- of her place, she raised her voice to its highest pitch and called out, O oh, Shamash, listen to me! Then waiting a little for her voice to reach the ears of the gods, she went on, O oh, Shamash, why have you given my son Gilgamesh such a restless heart? Why have you made him so eager for adventure? Now he has gone up to fight the indestructible monster Humbaba. Why have you sent him, O oh, Shamash, to wipe out the evil that you abhor? It is all your plan. It is you who have planted the idea in his head. May you not sleep, O Shamash, until Gilgamesh and his friend Enkidu return to Uruk. If they fail, may you never sleep again. Then soon, then extinguished the small blaze from under the incense and descended from the roof of the palace. Gilgamesh and Enkidu walked toward the mountain of the cedar forest. At a distance of twenty double hours, they sat down beside the path and ate a small amount of food. At a distance of thirty double hours, they lay down to sleep, covering themselves with their garments. On the following day, they walked a distance of fifty double hours. Within three days' time, they covered a distance that would have taken ordinary men some fifteen days to cover. They reached the mountain and saw before them towering and magnificent a gate of cedar wood. Here, said Gilgamesh, we must pour meal upon the earth, for that will gain us the goodwill of the gods. It will persuade them to reveal their purpose in our dreams. They poured meal on the ground and lay down to sleep. After some time, Gilgamesh wakened his friend. Enkidu, I've had a dream. It went like this. We were standing in a deep gorge beside a mountain. Compared to it, we were the size of flies. Before our very eyes, the mountains collapsed. It fell in a heap. Well, the meaning of that seems very clear, said Enkidu. It means that Humbaba is the mountain and that he will fall before us. They closed their eyes again and slept. After some time, Gilgamesh again awakened his friend. I've had another dream, Enkidu. I saw the same mountain this time, and again it fell, but it fell on me. However, as I lay struggling, a beautiful personage appeared. He took me by my feet and dragged me out from under the mountain. Now I wonder what this means. 
Is it that you will rescue me from the monster, or will someone else come along? They pondered a little and went back to sleep. Next, Enkidu wakened his brother Gilgamesh. Has a cold shower passed over us? Did the lightning strike fires? And was there a rain of ashes? Well, the earth is dry and clean, said Gilgamesh. You must have dreamed. But since neither of them could understand the meaning of this dream, they fell asleep again, and soon the day came. They approached the magnificent gate. Let it open, gate Enkidu. Let's be on our way. For the last time, Enkidu tried to persuade his friend to turn back. But since the king would not listen, it was he who went first and placed his hand against the gate to push it open. Enkidu was thrown backward with such violence that he fell to the earth. He rose to the feet, rose to his feet. Gilgamesh, wait! My hand is paralyzed. Put it on my arm, Enkidu. It will take strength from my arm, because I am not afraid. When the two friends threw their weight against the gate, however, it swung inward. They walked up the mountainside through the sacred trees. These became closer and thicker until the sky was blotted out. They could hear the giant heartbeat of Humbaba and smell the smoke from his lungs. To show his daring, Gilgamesh cut one of the cedar trees. The blows of his axe rang out, and from afar the terrible Humbaba heard the sound. With a crashing of timbers and a rolling of loose stones, Humbaba came down upon them. His face loomed among the treetops, creased and grooved like some ancient rock. The breath he breathed withered the boughs of cedar and set small fires everywhere. Enkidu's fears now vanished, and the two heroes stood side by side as the monster advanced. He loomed over them, his arms swinging out like the masts of a ship. He was almost upon them when suddenly the friends stepped apart. The giant demon lurched through the trees, stumbled, and fell flat. He rose to his feet, bellowing like a bull, and charged upon Enkidu. But the king brought down his axe on the toe of Humbaba so that he whirled about, roaring with pain. He gasped, he grasped Gilgamesh by his flowing hair, swung him round and round as if to hurl him through the treetops. But now Enkidu saw his giant ribs exposed, and he thrust his sword into the monster's side. Liquid fire gushed from the wound and ran in small streams down the mountainside. Gilgamesh fell to the earth and lay still, trying to breathe. But meanwhile, Humbaba grasped the horns of Enkidu and began to flail his body against a tree. Surely the wild man would have died. But now Gilgamesh roused himself. He hurled his long spear with its handle of lapis lazuli and gold. The spear caught Humbaba in the throat and remained there, poised and glittering among the fires that had ignited everywhere. The giant loosened his hold on Enkidu. He cried out. The earth reverberated with the sound, and distant mountains shook. Gilgamesh felt pity in his heart. He withdrew his sword and put down his axe, while the monster Humbaba crept toward him, groveling and wailing for help. Now Enkidu perceived that the monster drew in a long breath in order to spew forth his last weapon, the searing fire that would consume the king. He leaped upon the demon and with many sword thrusts released the fire, so that it bubbled harmlessly out amongst the stones. Humbaba was dead. The two heroes, black with soot and dirt, were still alive. 
They hugged each other, they leaped about, and singing and shouting, they descended the mountainside. Gentle rains fell among them, and the land was forever free from the curse of the giant Umbaba. This is another metaphor here. You find these a lot in the myths. Humbaba. Think about what Humbaba was to the early people, people who did not have yet really solid reading and writing the way we do, people that did not have um, the internet or textbooks or anything to look things up and understand the scientific or geological happenings of the earth. What do you think Humbaba stood for? for them. What would Humbaba have been? How would they have seen Humbaba? Hmm. Monday we go into the wooing of Ishtar. Inanna.